welcome to Radio TFS, episode number 22, Dog Fooding TFS. Hi everybody, this is Martin Woodward, and I've got on the line with me my uh, co-hosting crime, Paul Hacker. Hey Paul. Hey Martin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, we've not got Mickey with us today, he couldn't be with us, so instead we've got an extra special guest, a friend of the show, Grant Holiday. Hi Grant. G'day. So uh, Grant's, um, he's widely recognized as one of the you know foremost experts in Visual Studio Team System. Um, prior to joining Microsoft, Grant was a consultant at Redify and a Team System MVP based in Canberra, Australia, for those that don't know. It's always weird when you say it's like Glasgow, Scotland and things like that. It's an American, a very American thing to do. Um, in his role, uh, Grant was one of the key architects of the first Team Foundation server hosting offering in the world. And now as a program manager on Team Foundation Server, Grant is currently on the team that supports, optimizes, onboards, onboards, what does that mean? And promotes TFS for Microsoft's internal customers. You're already using the lingo already there, Grant, I see. That's right. You know, there's a there's a whole vocabulary you learn when you get to Microsoft. <laughs> so welcome to the show. No, thanks. It's great to be here. I've been uh, meaning meaning to do this for quite a while, but yeah, things have been hectic around here. <laughs> well, why don't we talk about that? So do you want to explain to everybody um, exactly what you do for Microsoft now? I mean, me and Paul obviously know you from your MVP days. So would you want to tell us what you've been up to recently? So 12 months ago, I packed up everything and moved over to the TFS team here in Redmond. And uh, I work for Joe Schwitz. Now, Joe's team is responsible for... Uh, the TFS servers within Microsoft. So what that means is we uh, we work with our IT organization to get the servers set up and onboard people. Now, you asked, what, what does onboarding mean? Well, onboarding is we go out and we have to evangelize, you know, kind of market TFS internally and get teams to move across onto it. And uh, we, we kind of sell them on the benefits and then we hook them up with our IT guys and, you know, get the, the projects provisioned and basically bring them on board. Uh, the the main focus of my job is actually the server uh, that runs developer division. And so we've got three and a half thousand users at the moment. We've got sort of 16 terabytes of data. So it's a it's a pretty, pretty big instance. And uh, yeah, over the last 12 months, we've been... You know, we've been dog fooding, um, dog fooding the product, and yeah, finding issues and fixing them, and just you know, just making the product better and better. Well, excellent. That's uh, great to have you on board over here at uh, at, at Redmond now, and here in the states. Um, do miss you as an MVP, though. Uh, so I guess I guess my question is this then, Grant is, um, you know. Inside of Microsoft, there's your instance that you're running. Are there other instances that are just as big as what you're doing, or is that the single biggest instance inside Microsoft today? So we have we have about 30 instances across Microsoft, and they, they vary in size. The DevDiv instance is definitely the biggest uh, by a long way, um, but that's because DevDiv is using TFS for source control and work item tracking. It's you know we're using the the full kind of range of TFS. Well, we're not using Team Build yet, but uh, that, that's on the plans. The we, we kind of think of we've got internal partners like we've got the Windows team, the Office team, the SQL team, MSIT's own development, and then DevDiv, and that's what we call the the Big Five. And each of us kind of each of us on Joe's team kind of works with one of those divisions to you know kind of see how they're going and you know kind of work out the plan for the future and when they're going to adopt you know different bits of TFS and how they're going to adopt it so that's kind of the big 5 
And then at the other end of the spectrum, we've got all these little projects all over the place. And, you know, they might be a one-person team, they might be a 10-person team, they might be a 10, you know, a 50-person team. And they they sit on what we call our community instances or our consolidated instances. And so we'd have one, or we've actually got four or five of them, uh, TFS servers, but they service lots and lots of team projects. So... Forgotten the original question, but yeah, you know, we we certainly other other TFS servers in Microsoft, yes, but DevDiv is the biggest. Uh, be followed by probably the Office and the Windows guys, and they they are very heavy uh, kind of feet. They they use TFS for feature tracking, and yeah, obviously we're working with them to bring them, you know, to get them, you know, what do we need to do in the product to get them on board to use us for other features? But a lot of it depends on their own ship cycles. So that's kind of where we're at. And it's all this um, physical hardware, obviously for DevDiv instances, if it's that big, but are all the TFS in physical? Um, they're a mixture, actually. So um, DevDiv actually has two instances. One one is running what we call the, the main dog food server, and that's got source control. That's what we use for source control and bug tracking. We also have a very early version of Rosario um, that is running what we call the internal release. And essentially, it's 2008... Uh, with hierarchical work items, um, but the, the source control features and all the other features of it just weren't tested at all, and they probably don't even work because you know we, we rolled out this release just for feature tracking for the Office and the Windows and, and obviously the DevDiv team, and it's actually running in a virtual virtual machine. So we've got a, a three-server setup. We've got an application tier, a data tier, and then we've split analysis services off to one another box, and they're all virtual machines. Now... Across the service offering, um, the kind of the big divisions have their own physical, you know, run run their own dedicated physical hardware. But the and then the consolidated ones, they're physical. But we've got a lot of instances that have been set up for specialized purposes, and and they're running virtual machines. Obviously, there's a trend from you know within Microsoft to virtualize, you know, whatever makes sense. And so we're you know we're contributing as we can, you know, to that goal. Um, I just realised we. I'm not sure we explained what DevDiv means. Do you want to explain that? Oh, cool. So DevDiv is just the the short name for developer division, and DevDiv is responsible for shipping everything from the .NET framework to Visual Studio to Visual Studio Team System to Expression, um, ASP.NET. There's some, I think even IIS is in there as well. So it's kind of everything that's developer-focused ships out a developer division. That said, we still have some partner teams on our server. Like, you know, there's there's a couple of Windows teams that we have to integrate with and they they ship their bits to and, to and fro between us. There's also the SQL team because they build on top of our tools like the the report designer and business intelligence studio. That's all built on top of the VS shell. So they, you know, they kind of integrate with us at that point as well. And you mentioned this kind of... Uh, Franken build of TFS that the the Office and the Windows guys are using. Uh, are most people using like a version of TFS that we can buy, you know, on the shelves, or or do we have you know builds like a later version of TFS that we don't currently have? So it was we we kind of made the decision that it was very strictly a, an internal release, and of course everybody wants it because it's got hierarchical work items, but. That said, it's actually an older build than 2008. It's it's missing a lot of source control and and some of the work item features that are actually in the shipping product today. Uh, that said, you know the the next version of TFS TFS 2010 um, 
is kind of a later build of the IR, of the internal only release. So, you know, if you go out and download beta one, you're actually getting more than some of our internal teams have. You were talking about evangelizing and going into other areas of Microsoft and evangelizing about the product and trying to get people on board. Do you, I, I consult in a large organization and there's multiple instances and we're constantly trying to evangelize inside the organization and get people to get on board. And we meet a lot of resistance with people that just aren't willing to take the jump into the tool yet. Do you find that you run into a lot of resistance when you're trying to get people on board or are more are the people really just wait can't wait to get on board to TFS when you come talking to them? Well, it's 50-50, just like anywhere. Like I used to consult as well and everybody, you know, had their own existing tools and sometimes it was difficult to sell them on TFS and sometimes it was really easy. Uh, the the approach that, that we kind of take is, you know, nobody's, you know, it hasn't come down from Steve Ballmer, you know, you must use TFS. We're kind of we're trying to trying to get the grassroots, but we're also we have these strategic kind of partnerships with the big five. And the biggest kind of resistance from the big five is, uh, and, and even in developer division, we have, um, or we had lots and lots of tools that depended on the old systems. And that was Source Depot and Product Studio. And, you know, and that's what Windows and Office and, and SQL are still using today for source control. They, they're still using Source Depot. Uh, which is not available externally. There's an organization within Microsoft called Engineering Excellence, and we actually partner with them, and they do a lot of the groundwork for us. And their kind of goal and their mission is to, you know, try to help team, help engineering teams work out the best way to develop, you know, to to engineer software. And one of the things we we worked with them to come up with uh, was the MPT, the Microsoft Process Template. You can get that at codeplex.com forward slash MPT. And that's kind of, we, we looked at a lot of, how a lot of different teams at Microsoft develop software and kind of came up with a, a common set of functionality that, you know, is useful to them. Now, that's very good for engineering excellence and, and us because we can then go out to other teams within Microsoft and say, hey, you know, here's a standard way that uh, other teams are developing software within Microsoft. You know, maybe this will help you kind of get up to speed. And so that's that's worked well, but yeah, it, it all comes from you know if you just go into somebody and tell them you know you have to change to TFS, you know it's a very adverse kind of relationship, and they're you know they're not gonna they're not gonna be sometimes they're not very receptive to that. So we kind of you know ask them what are, what are their problems, you know where are they where are their challenges, and we kind of then talk about how TFS can help solve those. So. Not not dissimilar to the external world, but uh, not not the same either. It's frighteningly exactly the same, really. Is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you think you know people would? I don't know. You always think Microsoft's different from the outside, but it it blatantly isn't. Well, what are the biggest benefits then that people are getting out of moving to TFS? What's the, what's the killer feature that's making them want to move? Um, so it's all about uh, integration, and uh, we've actually got another project internally. Um, we call it uh, Power Build, and what it is is it's kind of a, it's designed to be a um, uh, development environment in a box, and essentially teams will go on or brand, you know, just imagine a new team has been set up and they've got a goal to ship a product. Uh, all they've got to do is request a project, download the you know request a project with the MPT, and then download this thing called Power Build, and that sets up a framework for them to build their software and ship it. According to the you know the Microsoft practices like code signing and um, policy checking and, and all that sort of stuff, so 
And then because they're on TFS, uh, they can also integrate and you know cross-link between other you know projects on that server, and it kind of allows everybody to to work together, um, you know, across the different across the different disciplines. So that um, the power build you're talking about is that using. I mean, there's a book called uh, the Build ba- the Build Master. I think. Let me just have a quick look. I've got it up here by yeah, um, I've got, I've Vincent got that book too. Mariara or something like that. Is that um, yeah. is that that describes like Microsoft's build process as it was in in like the Windows ish days? Is that still yeah. kind of the process that a lot of people are using internally at the moment? So that book kind of defined the whole the whole notion of virtual build labs, and you know that's that's where I believe the term RI and FI, reverse integration and forward integration, came from, and that's very much the way that developer division and some of the other divisions actually you know still ship software. Uh, we have a a mainline, and then for every a product unit. So VSTS is a product unit and Visual Studio Pro is a product unit and .NET CLR is a product unit. Each of them have a, a branch off the main line called a PU branch. And then underneath the PU branch, uh, we have different feature crews. And a feature crew is anywhere between sort of three to 10 people working on a, sp- on a specific feature. They take a branch off the product unit branch and that's their feature branch. And then so once once they're done coding and everything's tested and that sort of stuff they take in a, a forward integration from main and then they put an ri back into oh, a forward integration from the pu and then it go and then they do a reverse integration back into the pu and then the pu does all their exit criteria checks and then they push everything back up into the main line so essentially we're, we're using the the model that windows developed many years ago and we're you know we're successfully doing that using tfs aloha this is Jeff McPherson, Dr. Tiki, from Tiki Bar TV. Whenever I worry about how I'm going to learn all that crazy computery goodness in Visual Studio Team System 2010, I listen to Radio TFS with Martin Paul and Mickey. Cheers, guys. Take it away. Uh, <laughs> um, I got a question for you then, Grant, on, on, on the dog fooding part of it again. Let's, let's switch back here a second. You know, uh, about a year ago, Brian Harry was um, blogging dog food stats, and all of a sudden they kind of dried up, and we don't see them around anymore. Um, I know that the team's real busy working on, you know, the next release and all that. Will we start to see more dog food stats coming out, and will they come from Brian, or will they come from you, or – because I, I know the community's really really looks forward to seeing what what Microsoft's doing in terms of the stats. Yeah, um, you know, I used to I used to love those stats as well, and um, I, I think it's just a busy thing. You notice that Brian probably didn't blog about anything, you know, for the for the end of last year either, because we were just completely swamped with uh, getting the CTP out the door and then getting beta beta one out the door. Um, that said, you know, I am on the the dog feeding team and. Um, I probably should uh, share some uh, share some more stats. So I'll see what I can do there for you, Paul. Uh, we definitely have the stats across, you know, the servers across Microsoft. And, yeah, I'd be interested to know what, what part of the stats that you guys actually, uh, or you guys and the rest of the community actually is most interested in. Is it the size of the database? Is it the number of files, the number of operations? Or, you know, is it just everything? <laughs> 
Some of the yeah. things from um, from my point of view that are most useful, other than like the raw, you know, big numbers, you know, by the way, this is supporting X many thousands of people. So don't worry about it scaling to a customer. The other thing that was actually quite useful is some of the metrics you were able to derive from um, such high volume real life usage, you know, uh, so, so in order we could have some kind of capacity planning kind of guidelines, you know. It, yeah. This is how big I need to have disk space if I'm going to do this exactly. many check-ins, that sort of thing. Yep. Okay, cool. So that that leads nicely into another topic I had, which was um, so everybody knows and loves or hates the the TFS migration and sync tool or the TFS to TFS migration tool. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, I used to use it as a as a customer, and well, I think I used it once, and I said never again. Now, <laughs> that feedback made it back into Microsoft, and for the last six months, we've actually been working on a project uh, to to redevelop that that migration tool. And the the goal of it is to make it uh, more robust and scalable and all that sort of stuff. And the reason it's so important is we're actually not going to be upgrading the the dev div TFS server until beta two. Now, there's a number of reasons for that, which I won't go into. But the kind of the thing we need to do is we need to be able to still dog food, you know, the next version of our product internally. Now, we achieved that for beta one by upgrading one of our MSIT servers to to a pre-beta one build. And and that that allowed us to ship a much better beta one product. So it's not like we're not dog fooding at the moment. We, we are. But we, we want to dog food more aggressively within DevDiv. So what we're going to do is set up a Dev10 beta one server using the same bits, you know, we've shipped to customers. And we're going to mirror a portion of the main DevDiv server onto this smaller server, and the VSTS team is going to work off it. Now, for us to be able to do that mirror, we need a robust tool that's able to, you know, able to handle our, our load and you know all the funky things that we do. So, the last week or so, we you know I got an early build of that from from Bill Essery's team, and we've you know we've started syncing source code and work items. Uh, back and forth between the main server. Um, so the, the goal is to deploy it to DevDiv and uh, work out all the issues and then uh, put the release out on CodePlex so that anybody else can use it. You know, so instead of you know, having to work with external people to find issues and work them out, we can find the bulk of them internally through dogfooding and then you know, ship a much better product. Do you, do you know if there's a timeline on that that you're looking at? Um to release that because that tool would be so handy for so many people. And the fact that you're dog fooding it um, really makes me a lot more comfortable with the tool because like you, I used it once and said never again, and I could really use a tool like that. Yeah. So like I said, you know, we've just started the the kind of pilot internally. Uh, we're, we're hoping for a rollout, you know, sort of mid-summer, which is July, July over here. And then I'm not sure what the plans are to get it out onto the Coplex site. But I'd imagine, you know, we'd want to dog food it for a little bit just to make sure that it works. I'd hope we'd get it out by the end of the year. But, okay. yeah, no, no no, firm kind of commitments on that one. <laughs> Definitely. Well, yeah, Definitely a lot of interest. And I think a lot of people would be very interested in it um, going forwards, you know, when, as in the later betas of TFS 2010. And even when TFS 2010 ships, there are going to be teams that want to, you know, um, run a version of TFS to 
you know, try out the new 2010 features, but we want to do proof of concept exercises, but they probably don't want to take out their old TFS server until they've finished the proof of concept. So if, if this tool could help with that as well, that would be an amazing win. You know, that would be great for them and, and help yeah. the option of 2010 enormously. So that, that's kind of the scenario that we're dogfooding. So, you know, exactly, hopefully we yeah. can do that right. well and... And, and that's how it works. Hey, can I just take us back to um, team build a little bit? Uh, I know, um, obviously, like people like Windows and Visual Studio, that's building a rather large project, <laughs> which is, I can Very see why, large. with lots of developers, and I can see why, you know, you need to stick with an existing build process like you've got now. Um, is there any... Um, are there any teams internally using team build, you know, for like greenfield development of new projects and things rather than these big existing builds? Yeah, there's 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 a lot of teams um, using team build, and when I'll publish the latest set of dog food stats we've got, and that includes a number of kind of team builds we have, um, you know, running each month. We um, it, it tends to be the smaller teams, the smaller smaller kind of more agile teams that use it because you know they don't have to you know, integrate multiple, you know, lots of lots of lots of code bases and dependencies and all that sort of stuff. And it, it just doesn't make sense uh, for the big teams to to move over just yet because uh, of some of the limitations of 2008, like you can't use a, you can't have a pool of build agents. You have to kick off a build on a particular build server. Fortunately, in 2010, you know, we're, we've got the feature now for build agent pooling. So I'm actually running... Or talking to the to the dev div build guys and the VSTS build guys and uh, some of the more corporate um, sort of build engineers to start looking at how we can take bits of their current process and make them use team build. And the the, the first obvious candidate there is uh, gated check in because obviously that was born out of a an internal product called Gauntlet. Uh, and so what that does is before you can check your code into the main line, you have to run a gauntlet build, run a gauntlet build, and um, make sure your code passes all the validation steps. And so it'd be great to, you know, replace that functionality with team build, and then we can throw away gauntlets, and we don't have to support, you know, two separate products. And any Mm -hmm. improvements we make, you know, make it out to the external customers. And this is the way that you were stopping people from um, checking in broken builds. Is that what you mean? Is that what Yeah, so... Yeah, Gauntlet is yeah that that's what Gauntlet's for, and for checking, you know, making sure your unit tests pass and and that sort of stuff. Okay, what difficulties have you had? Have people had, you know, in in Microsoft actually using TFS? What common problems do you see people running into? Uh, that was interesting. So the first first sort of month that I got here, um, I jumped on the internal distribution lists. Uh, we've got one just for DevDiv, and then we've got one for uh, kind of everybody in the world that uses um, TFS across you know, across Microsoft. So that's uh, Microsoft consultants, it's other product teams, and it's kind of a general distribution list. And yeah, the first month I jumped on there and I just started answering questions and everybody goes, oh, wow, you know, you joined Microsoft and, you know, because they'd read my blog posts. And a lot of those I could actually point back to blog posts I'd written when I was consulting. So that kind of says that a lot of the problems we have internally are the same as the ones we had externally. Uh, that said, there's there's some things that are very you know Microsoft uh, specific. Um, there, there's one particular issue where somebody you know they get they try and connect to the server and they get server does not exist or could not be contacted, but they can still ping the server, and that that's that was just really strange to me. You know they can ping the server but they can't access you know any of the web services. 
it turns out that the Microsoft network uh, uses IPsec, which is a, a kind of network authentication layer. And because the policy on their machine had expired, uh, it wasn't allowing them to kind of talk to the TFS server. And so the, a fix for that for, was to run um, group policy update, and then that refreshed the certificates and they're able to talk to the server again. Now, I'd never seen that externally because, you know, obviously people aren't using IPsec to the level that, that Microsoft is. I'd like to know, Grant, um, what difficulties do you have that keep TFS running in the, inside Microsoft? So the the released bits, not a problem. Um, so the, the servers that the window, well, even the internal release that, that we haven't touched since we shipped it, Internally, um, you know, we haven't had problems with the community servers or consolidated servers. DevDiv, however, you know, we've dog-fooded and we've had a lot of pain. Um, it's actually nice, uh, you know, for the last kind of nine months, we've been having serious kind of stability issues. And they range from, um, you know, we've kind of, we've found bugs in Windows, we've found bugs in SQL, and we've found bugs and design issues in TFS. And so... It's it's been it's been a little bit challenging. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's been a little bit challenging working with the you know with our IT organization who run the server and the infrastructure, and just getting them to understand how important you know uh, the the source control server or the workload and tracking server you know is to the division. And so I've written something I brought to the team was I was able to write a bunch of tools to start measuring uh, the you know the availability and the uptime and the downtime and um, actually keep a, a, spread, a SharePoint list of uh, every, every minute of downtime that we have, um, we track and we find out, okay, what was the root cause of this and what can we do differently to ensure that it doesn't happen again? And so you know, in the nine months of instability, uh, a lot of that was to do with uh, the design of TFS. In, in 2005 and 2008, the database schema uh, has this thing in it called a file ID, and that's that's fine until you start getting to the size of our, you know, the size of the DevDiv instance. And in our main line, we have 7 million items. And then that means that every branch off that, which we have 200 to 300 branches, has, you know, almost that many items again. So when you start doing FIs and RIs, um, you know, they can take up to an hour to to kind of to complete. And sometimes they don't even complete within the hour. And so this was just a massive issue because, you know, if you get a couple of teams, you know, all merging up at the same time, it would just consume all the resources we had in SQL. You know, uh, we, 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 I should say we've got a, a 16 processor server. Uh, we've got <laughs> 30 to 40 terabytes of, of Ray wow. 10 SAN storage. Uh, we've got 64 gig of RAM. You know, this is a really beefy server and we're still managing you know, we, we were still managing to kind of max it out. And that's that's when kind of Brian sat down and worked with the devs and said, look, you know, we, we have to change something. And we, we called that work the schema change. Now, essentially what it did is it removed the file ID so that when we do gets and merges, we don't have to join across three big tables on the file ID. Um, it means we can just, instead of using the file ID, we use the file path and that makes things a lot more simpler because we don't have to do a join. We can just kind of find that path in, the, in each of the tables and just scan the rows. So th that's, that's been the biggest change in 2010. And the good news is, you know, we're, we're, we're essentially running a, a TFS 2008 RTM of the main product, but we're running the 2010 version of version control uh, that has this schema change in it. 
And to do that upgrade, you know, we had to take sort of four days of downtime to kind of, you know, add columns, remove them and rebuild indexes and all that sort of stuff just because we're dealing with such large tables. So, again, I've forgotten what the original question is, but <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the scale that DevDiv works on. Uh, interestingly, I was just writing a blog post about this whole that whole thing you've just been talking about there. Um, Matt Mitrick has a good blog post up. Uh, slot, it's all about slot mode versus item mode. Um, that's, you know. that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, you know, by, by changing to slot mode, it makes things you know, a lot simpler in the database and we're able to scale to you know, a lot more users. So in the past, um, I used to measure something called the request queue length. And that's the, the number of requests that uh, ASP.NET can handle concurrently. So what would happen is somebody makes a request, it goes to ASP.NET, and then that would spin up a, a SQL process to, you know, or to kick off a, a SQL store procedure to actually do the work. Now, if you get too many of those SQL store procedures running, and, you know, because it can only run, you know, you've got 16 processes, it can only use 16 of those. It can't use, you know, can't run more of those um, than, than you have. That causes requests to back up in on the uh, in in ASP.NET, and once you hit that limit of ASP.NET, which is I think four processes per server, uh, four threads per processor, um, then nobody else it, it just starts dropping requests, and nobody else can um, you know connect to the server. And we, we were hitting this you know, multiple times a day. You know, as people would kick off these large operations, the queue would fill up, and nobody'd be able to do anything. And so by Putting in this schema change and making the SQL operations um, less intensive, uh, our queue length has gone from an average of you know above eighty and you know maxing out a couple of times today to you know we average about twenty concurrent requests at the moment, which is just a you know significant improvement. So I'll put a link to that that blog post from Matt in the show notes. But I think the key the key takeaway here is that you know you're obviously running this every single day at scales you know far and away orders of magnitude more busy than the kind of servers i'm sort of seeing in customer sites what uh, one thing uh, i did want to ask grant was um what's uh what's the most surprising thing you um about that you found while working for microsoft what's the most surprising thing about working for microsoft um not necessarily tfs related just you know taking the big no, taking the big blue it's it's surprising yeah, from Microsoft as a whole and, you know, very specific to DevDiv, which is how long it actually takes to ship a product. And so, you know, by the time by the time that we actually, you know, finish coding for, for a milestone like Beta 1 or a CTP and the time it gets out to in customers' hands, it's, it's actually quite a long time. And I was surprised, you know, once you kind of you, you join Microsoft and you get to see behind the scenes, it's like, wow, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into shipping a product. It's not just, yeah, we're done, you know, click a button and it's, and it's out the door. There's, there's lots of stuff. There's, you know, test passes and escrow periods and sign-offs and uh, then you've got to replicate it out to the servers and things like that. And, it, you know, things take time. Even printing physical media and, you know, having boxes built and designed for the software to go in, all that, you know, just takes time. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, and obviously, you know, I'd like to use TFS to help make that faster, but yeah, that's going to take time as well. And what's the, uh, the best thing about working for Microsoft? Um, Other than you know, the money, obviously, and the, you know, <laughs> the, the easy work that you have now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, I guess there's three things. Uh, one is uh, I just love the the culture and the the 
the people are going to laugh when I say work-life balance, but you know everybody knows that Microsofties you know don't have a work-life balance, but uh, I don't find that to be true. Um, I, I'm able to work from home, and that kind of that, that's great. So I, I tend to spend you know my mornings uh, you know roll out of bed and spend my mornings just focused on you know one or two tasks and get them done, and then I you know then I miss the traffic and you know turn up to work you know before lunchtime or something and. You know, although, you know, I'm only in the office for, for half a day, I'm actually in the office for the whole day, but I get that flexibility of working from home and, and in the office. And that's great because a context change just does wonders for, for productivity. And so the next best thing about working for Microsoft is, you know, the infrastructure is set up to allow all this. Um, I don't know if you've heard about the, the Windows 7 or the Windows 2002 feature called direct access. Um, but what it allows us to do is I can take my work laptop home and connect to my standard you know cable connection and access corpnet resources so corporate domain resources uh without having to connect to vpn or set up a proxy server or anything like that all i've got to do is log on with my smart card and this direct access feature lets you kind of tunnel you know domain traffic back to your your work laptop so and that's just been amazing it means i can connect to you know internal sharepoint sites and connect to event logs on servers without actually, you know, having to bounce into a box internal or, you know, set up the VPN and, and things like that. I guess the the third thing is, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm loving Seattle and the, the mountains and the weather and, you know, it did rain for, you know, a, a fair portion of the year and we did get a whole bunch of snow at Christmas time, but, but now the weather is just, you know, just amazing. One of the best kept secrets, I think. Definitely. People always moan about the weather in Seattle, but they should try living in Northern Ireland for a while. Then they'll learn really how rubbish weather can be. Back <laughs> come to Indiana. It's gloomy <laughs> here all the time. There you that's, go. That's great. Is there anything you'd like to finish on, people? Oh, uh, you've got um, this report, the performance reports. Do you want people to check those out? And anything else you'd like people to take a look at? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just read my blog, and you know, help me help me collect the beta one issues and. You know, if you've got a if you've got a problem in in TFS 2010, uh, go and log, log a connect bug. And if you need some extra, you need some extra help, then you know, ping me and I'll see what I can do. But yeah, you just let me know what you want. Um, you know, like the dog food stats and capacity planning, and you know, I'm happy to share. I'm happy to kind of get information from in, ex, internal and share it external. I'm always trying to do that. But it helps when you know it helps if I can have people asking for it and, and know what what the priorities are. Well, uh, thanks for your time, Grant, and thanks for your time, everybody. We'll speak to you next time on Radio TFS.